It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. Always on time. Recording this on Monday morning, April 19th. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. Gordon, I had a headphone issue. People watching right now on YouTube can see. I don't even know if I'm putting the cord in the right spot. It's blocking the shot. But fortunately, we are all systems go just just 20 minutes late. I just like that the reason we're late is not because of me. It feels good to not be the cause. Uh, now I know how you feel. It's kind of – well, you probably had a different <laughs> feeling, but I had like a feeling of shot and forward yet. But it was, felt good. Yes, we are starting a little bit late. Uh, but if you listen to this on the on the on on our podcast feed, you listen to it whenever. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, mm-hmm. Great weekend last night. Um, not last night. Great weekend this past <laughs> weekend. Uh, yeah. A lot of fast times, performances. Um, a lot of eye raising or hair. Was it eyebrow? Eye. What's the phrase? Eye. I want to see you work through this. Eye raising? Eyebrow raising. Eyebrow, eyebrow raising. raising. That's the word. Eyebrow raising performances. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Excited to talk about it. So, And welcome back <sighs> to... Good old week of working together. <laughs> you know, I don't talk to you <laughs> since Friday, and then now we get to see each other again. So it's good. It's good. It is good. Last week, at the end of the week, last week, I found out that there is one person in the media universe who cares more about Joel Embiid winning the MVP than you, which was very exciting. Uh, two NBA podcasters went at each other. One called the other one a jackass. It really set the tone for what I want to do with this show. But now that I'm late, I can't do that because I feel like I've already acted in that manner. I almost want to just throw out the rundown and have you do your top five eyebrow-raising performances of, of the weekend. Um, Should we do that? With the emoji. With the emoji. Yeah. Well, I think at first, is Kipchoge in your group or not? No. I First okay. of all, let, let's recap. I'm really good at predicting things that are going to happen over the weekend. Do you do you have it recorded exactly what my predictions were? Did I do. You write it down anywhere? Okay, I do. Just run yeah. through what I, I said. I thought would happen, and then let's talk about what happened, and then we'll talk about eyebrow raising performances. 
Okay. Well, to recap Gordon's guesses, you had well, you had Noah Lyles coming in second, which didn't quite happen, but you had him not winning, well, I, which I think I'm not winning, which was correct. Which was correct. Uh, you took the over on that women's 200 at the Tom Jones of 22 flat, which hit, which was good. 22.11. Yeah. Kipchoge, I think you said tub, sub 205, which he was 24.30. So you were bang on right there. Boom. Which again... If you're picking sub 205 for Kipchoge, not exactly the boldest pick, but I will give you credit because a win is a win. And what else did you have? Oh, you missed. Oh, you had you had Curly win in the two in Tom Jones in what as well. Time? Above 20 seconds. You took the yeah. over on 20. So you hit that one as well. And then you were way off, though, just way out of the ballpark on this Caitlin Tui 5K. Oh, come again, on. I believe in this freshman class, even when Gordon does it. No, you weren't off by much. The line was pretty good. I took the under. You took the over. That was the only miss that I saw. Yeah, but I'm like the one creating the lines, and the numbers that they're running are always very close to the line, which I think, even if I'm over or under, the fact that I said 1550 for Caitlin Tui and she runs 1547, pretty damn good. Anyway, all I'm saying is when there's sports gambling in track and field, I'm your man. I, and I can start a business, a side business to help people make some money on track. That's all I'm trying to say. You need to get enough people to do it with you so they actually put some lines up. But the people yeah. can't be that <laughs> educated. Otherwise, they're going to be putting the same lines that you're up. Someone in the chat says, oh, did you predict Shakari at 22.09? Is that right? Ka- I Khalil think I says did. that in the chat. Okay. I don't know if that yeah. was Khalil's prediction or Gordon's prediction. I just remember you took the over on, on 22 and then – she hit a 22.11, which, by the way, is a really, really good time. Uh, I, I picked the 22 flat just because of, of what her PB was and what I thought after running 10.72, like what, what that indicated. But 22.11 is, is very, very good, especially for mid-April. To recap, Gordon did good on his predictions, guys. Gordon did, did pretty good on his predictions. Clock is right twice a day, so. There you go. Okay, so we'll get into eyebrow raising in a second, but first – Talk about Kipchoge because I think it was the opposite of eyebrow raising because this is what he does. This is the type of race that he is set up to run. This actually, the 20, 204.30, I looked it up. That's the ninth fastest marathon of his career, in case you were wondering. So his top 10 is all sub 205 at this point. Probably slowed down his average by his, running this performance at the NN Mission Marathon. 204.30, he goes 61.43, then comes back with a 62.47. As expected, nobody could stick with him over those final miles. Took off around 30K. Clear favorite now for the Olympics. Answers any questions that people had after his eighth place finish in London. This was just like a clockwork vintage Kipchoge performance. It got me thinking, though, Gordon. This is the trouble when you're the GOAT. This is the issue when you're the GOAT. There's very little you can do at a certain point to continue to impress people. You run a 204.30 in an, in an, uh, on an airport and people are like, okay, good. That's what we expected you to do. If he comes back after the Olympics, wins another London, wins another Berlin, okay, been there, done that. When I was watching this race and the final miles tick off, I started thinking, well, is he ever going to run a 150? Is he ever going to have an opportunity to run a 159.40 again? Probably not. Probably not. Even if he is in that type of shape, the chance of they they set up a race like that again are probably small. Is he going to get a chance to run even a sanctioned world record again? 
Probably not, because it seemed like that race, he squeezed everything he could out of it, which makes me think that these Olympic Games are going to be the last massive Kipchoge race out there. The last thing that can really add to his resume. Maybe he does decide to run a New York and a, and a Boston, and he adds to his world marathon major. Uh, he goes for that Grand Slam. But I don't think that's likely. I just feel like he's going to keep doing the London berlin london berlin cycle but at a certain point you've won so many londons and you've won so many berlins that people just expect it and i don't know if winning another one adds to it but the olympics he only air quotes only has one which means i still think he can add to that to that legacy there if he wins the olympic marathon but past that i don't really know if he can't chase times if he can't put the world record and the unofficial world record farther out of reach I, I don't know what else there is for him to achieve in the sport unless he wants to go around and start taking course records from New York or Boston. Well, he may not have anything left he can achieve in the sport, right? Because how old is he now? What's his age? Uh, younger than you think, but he's been he's around forever. Younger than you think. Is he over under well, 35? I think he's, isn't he 35? Exactly. All I know is he's younger than me which I think about, I don't know, 10 times a day, maybe even 20 times a day. You can say, I think about, he's 36 and 164 days. So he is a little bit, I was a few months, I was born a few months before him. November 5th, 1984 wow. is his DOB. But yeah, I mean, he, he won a world title in 2003. Yeah. In the five So like in That's how long 36, next Olympics would he be, is he trying to go to all the way to 2024? Like, is that his plan? Right, I don't know. I mean, how yeah, do you motivate someone who, like you said, has already broken two-hour marathon, has done, you know, multiple major wins, has won the Olympics, likely can win back-to-back -back Olympics? It just mm -hmm. seems like there's nothing left for you, that the only thing really left is retirement, as weird as that sounds. But, like, typically – and you're running, you know, you you move your way up, right? Oh, okay. Hmm. Like Mo Farah, he's like, I've done enough on the 10K and the 5K. I'm moving up to the marathon. It's a new challenge. But he has nothing to move up to. He's not going to become an ultra marathoner. I think the only thing he moves hmm. to is retirement. And then maybe he starts dabbling in, like, post-retirement competitions. Like, you know, maybe he's next in line to face Jake Paul in another boxing match, you know, to be a retired no. athlete. Something like that. I don't know. He just... It's one of those things where, like, maybe enough is enough. Maybe it's mm -hmm. okay to be like, I don't need to do another thing. Maybe it's like, I've done a lot of things and my mission mm -hmm. is complete, right? That's Maybe that's the way he's going to think about it when he is going into 2021 being like, hey, yeah, I don't know what to do next. I mean, maybe you could argue he comes back to win a – has he ever won a world championship marathon? The marathons that no one cares about? Yeah, Gordon, come on. We're just reaching at that point if we're going to say he's motivated by a, a world championship marathon. Hey, no one's ever. You win in Eugene. He it'll be fun. <laughs> See him in Eugene. Yeah, that's true. Maybe more people will run because it's in Eugene. Maybe Rupp will run because it's in Eugene. Yeah. Listen, he hasn't won two yet. He hasn't even done the back to back yet, but I'm saying he's on course to do that. And anybody watching that race on Sunday morning saw that. No one's won three Olympics. No one's done that. Maybe that would be 
the next thing that he goes for. And he only needs to wait three more years to do that because of the postponement on the Olympics. I just think when you look at his, his career and you look at the times plus the wins in London, Berlin, got one in Chicago as well too, is what, you know, him going out there and running a 203 in London, it's just at this point, it's crazy to say, but it's just redundant for him. It's stuff he's yeah. already done. So I wonder, is it in New York? Is it a Boston? Or is it just that he's going to uh, continue to to do the same races over and over again? And eventually someone's going to catch up because he's going to slide back. And the evolution of the event tells us that people are going to get better. That that seems like it's going to happen. But when did, when is that point? We saw him have a, a bad race in London. But after he runs this one, you kind of chalk that up to just crazy circumstances more than him slipping that far down. I guess one thing that isn't redundant about winning Berlin again or London again is he still gets a, a redundant paycheck and sure new yeah. money is very more same as not, old. Doesn't, it's same as the old money. So like, <laughs> I think that might be his motivation. It's like, it's not about legacy. It's about like, Hey, I can collect a, a nice lump sum of cash to go here, do my thing and then go home and watch some TV. So Khalil brings up a good point in the chat, which kind of takes me back a couple months to, to London. And he's he says, probably no chance for any uh, Bekele versus Kipchoge last minute races for fun. It was only a few months ago when we're going into London and we're saying, well, what happens if Bekele jumps, uh, leapfrogs, Kipchoge, gets his world record and beats him in London? How does that complicate Kipchoge's legacy? And then Bekele DNF'd and Kipchoge got eighth, and we moved on and we moved past it, right? And the thing is, is you, you can assess them based on the times, you can assess them based on the amount of wins, and then that win streak, you know, 10 consecutive sanctioned marathons in a row. That doesn't even include Monza. That doesn't even include Vienna. That stretch is going to be really hard to beat, even if someone runs faster than those times. I think you'd agree with me. The times are going to go, the time is going to get broken before somebody has a streak like that. But it, at this point, I don't think there's much that Bekele could do to to dent that legacy. He has the name. He's the only marathoner out there that has that name, though, like Khalil mentions, that could draw you in and make you still think, okay, well, that's a quality win again. That's a quality win, even though, listen, Kipchoge has proved himself as a better marathoner time and time again. Just the, the list is just fascinating to me of things that could motivate him past these Olympics and he's got this short-term goal now. He's got the Olympics. But I don't know what there is past that. And I'm very interested to see. I guess the only thing that will motivate him is if he goes to Tokyo and loses. Loses, right? right. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. he comes out with a, a loss, he's going to be like, I can't end with this. You know, I, I need something. You know, maybe I got to go and defeat the person who beat me multiple times. Mm -hmm. or, I don't know. Um, because we're kind of already he giving him He just follows title, that person but... around. He just follows awesome. that person around. It doesn't matter what they run. They could be doing a fun run, and he just shows up for a year and just races them every He's possible like, opportunity. I will beat you everywhere. <laughs> that was That'd a fluke, just a complete spite to her. Just amazing. That would be a great plot for like a movie, like a running-based movie, where like some guy's just so motivated. It's like he has like that Michael Jordan mantra, like takes it personally, yeah, yeah. where like he needs to beat him to like everything. Like he's first in line at the supermarket, at the supermarket, <laughs> everything. Yeah. <laughs> moves into his neighborhood oh, he just does yeah. not give him an inch at all no i like it what were you continue what were you saying though if he loses because you're right we are giving him the we are saying he's the favorite for the title which he's the favorite title he could still lose 
you're right. But then if he loses, doesn't he just go back to, okay, London, Berlin, check, check, and then what? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, he can retire and then get into competitive boxing, you know? No, 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 That's please a new don't. Thing. We've seen, hey, there's money there. There's money. Did you watch that boxing match? I did not, thankfully. I did not do that. It was a spectacle. I don't even – I didn't even know what it was. I was watching – I was watching a game tape of the Sixers all weekend. Oh, to come on. figure no, out – It was – Man, is is Joel the MVP or is it Nikola Jokic? Uh, how many games has each guy missed? Yeah, I don't know. Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic is the MVP. He's the most valuable participant. That's what he oh. is. He's the most valuable participant oh. because he plays all the games. Congrats. Uh, He's really good at playing uh, games. Man, you need to get uh, you need to get on that hoop collective podcast. Gordon's top five eyebrow raising performances of the weekend. There's no criteria for this other than it made Gordon's eyebrows raise. Embrace the yes. subjectivity, everyone. Here it is. Should I, are there gonna be an order? Should I go from five to five to one? Doesn't even matter, man. It's your segment and it's subjective. So you can do it however yes. you want. So I'm gonna go five to one. With mm-hmm. one being the most raised eyebrow. And I'm going to start with five. And this is just my personality of why this per- this would be five. But a thing, Mo, running 157.73, breaking the collegiate record. Why is that five? Seconds, it's five. five. It didn't raise my eyebrows that much. It raised them. Okay, minute. I see what you're saying. Okay, let's be honest. When you saw that mark, were you like, oh, I can't believe she did that? No, no, you're right. You're right. Exactly. You're right. Exactly. You I get were you. like, I, I get okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, it's still like, oh, wow, she, like, did it. But, like, you were kind of like, well, yeah, sh- she's going to be that person who does this type of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, 157.73 kind of gives you perspective of the new breaking two barrier for women in the 800. I feel like it's going to become a less and less significant um, barrier uh, of super elite because – I think breaking two is probably the same thing as like breaking four in the fifteen hundred. I feel like, uh, but I just think eventually, yeah, with the way you know generations go, I could see, you know, ten years from now, the best college kid always breaks two, right? I could see every year there's always at least one woman breaking two in, in the college scene. Uh, but I think Mo is definitely one of those transcendent individuals who's makes Raven Rogers's, you know, college because I remember Raven Rogers in college, she was super dominant. dominant. Like every time you showed up, you knew it was a win for her. Uh she was winning everything. We looked at like, wow, this is like the perfect eight hundred meter athlete. And then the thing yeah. Mo comes in and just like shatters those those times. Yeah. Uh gets you excited for the trials. I know I have that weird hot take. That I think she still gets fourth behind Hannah Green, Raven Rogers, and Audrey Wilson. It's harder to hold on to that, but I'm still gonna hold on to it. Uh, I think that she can still get fourth. So, but if she gets top three, I would be like, okay, that makes sense. But I'm still gonna hold on to Green, Rogers, and uh, and Wilson due to veteran right now, experience. Right now, Gordon, she's closer to one than she is to four. I'll just say that. And anybody who's been following her. Would, would know that and and would agree. The eyebrow raising thing about this, you're right, wasn't the time. You go 157, seven, you're like, ah, oh, well, she ran 158 indoors, that makes sense. 
the eyebrow raising part came when you watch the video and you realize, I think she negative split this. I couldn't find the exact splits, but if you look at the clock, she goes through 400, just a shade, a shade under 60. She's with the entire group. This was not front running from the gun. And then she just keeps her foot on the gas and that lead grows. And Aaliyah Miller in second, indoor champion Aaliyah Miller, ran a great race, runs a PB, runs too flat, and Mo just pulls away from her gradually, but um, emphatically over the last quarter. I like that she's experimenting with different race strategies. This wasn't a straight from the gun effort. I think that's gonna help her in the trials. And just as you said, going into indoors, you said in that 400, the only thing that could beat her was tactics, a weird tactical thing with the lanes in the 400. And that's what ended up happening in a way. I think going into the trials, the only thing that can beat her in the 800, and by beat her, I mean keep her off the Olympic team, is, is fatigue at this point, which is a real thing to consider because the, the college season is long. But she doesn't need to get any faster to make the team. If she runs, I know I get your point that the women's eight is getting faster and 159 is the new two or 201, but 157 is going to get on the team. Let's be honest. You go back and you look the last 10 years of results. There's no year 157 doesn't get on the team. 157 yeah, in well, the past has basically been reserved for Ajay Wilson. That's the Ajay Wilson spot. And then you have another 158 and a 158 high, or you have a 158 and a 159, or you have a couple 159s, something like that. 157 is going to get on the team. So she doesn't need to run any faster. She just needs to stay the same between now and mid-June for her to make the team. And I'll reiterate my point. I think she's closer to winning the trials. The odds are higher that she wins the trials than she finishes fourth at this point. And that's saying a lot because Ajay Wilson is, is obviously really solid and really good, but I just don't see her missing this team. Yeah. I mean, again, I also don't see her missing it, but I'm picking her to miss it. Does that make sense? No. Like Keep I'm... going. Next, next. Okay. Uh, I'm racing for. I'm going to take the shovel out of your hands. Is what I'm doing right now. I'm taking the shovel out right. of your hands. I appreciate it. And throwing it on the dirt. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, this one you probably didn't even notice. At the Eastern Kentucky Rick Erdman Twilight, Ahmad Jaziri of Eastern Kentucky ran 8:23 in the steeplechase. 8:23 is just outside the top 10 all time. Uh, pretty impressive for a college kid to run that fast. 8:23. We'll be kind of looking at the collegiate steeple as kind of super weak. We haven't really seen much movement in that area, but 8:23 mm -hmm. is eight, is pretty good. I mean, you look at the second all time mark is Don Cabral in 8:19. Obviously, Henry Rono ran 8:05 in the 70s, but Don Cabral, he went. He made multiple world teams. He ran 819 in college. And this 823, I mean, that's getting close to that range. Uh, mm -hmm. Anthony Rotich, he was dominant in the steeple. He ran 821. Um, so Stanley Cabeni ran 823. Cabeni, I mean, he's making – he's on to the, on the verge of making being make, make, yeah. making multiple world finals. And he ran 823 in college. So this, this kid uh, – Ahmed, Ahmed Jaziri. I'm trying to see where he's from, what country he's from. Uh, he Taylor Tobias says Tunisia. 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 According to, so, according um, to, according to Tila. So. That just raised my eyebrows because we just haven't seen steeple performances that are pretty good. And uh, to kind of piggyback off of that, Joyce Camelli ran 937 
which is like mm-hmm. the steeple on the women's side is gonna be interesting because Joyce Camelli, she indoor 5k champ, she's riding the steeple now. Wait, what? You know, and then you have someone like, <laughs> like you said, a, a Whitney Orton. Is she the steepling now? Like the women's steeples, like who's doing it? Who's Wait not doing it? Oh, with uh, Wait 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 yeah, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but Eastern Kentucky, man. I brought reason. Eastern Kentucky can steeple. If you go back yes. to get on their all-time list, they are, they are really good. We might, might need to, in a couple of years, redo our U's for the different event groups. I think we had Colorado's as steeple U, but if Eastern Kentucky is going to mess around and end up steeple U here in a few years. Uh, you know what's funny when you look at the the collegiate marks from week to week? how it just like alternates events. It's like one week's a real fast women's hundred week. And then the next week it's a real fast women's 200 week or a 5,000. Yeah. And then it's a steep. I mean, it may make sense because there's a fast race and you get multiple people on it, but this was steeple week, basically. Steeple week. Love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was number four on my list. Number three on my list. Can I say Gatlin? Consistency of Gatlin, 998, back-to-back 998 to see wins. Mm. And I think that race very shows why Gatlin is more likely to make the team than anyone else. Because you just look at the juxtaposition, love using that word, uh, between Gatlin <laughs> and Kyrie King. Kyrie King beats Gatlin. You're like, whoa, Kyrie King, watch out. 997 beats Gatlin, 998. And then a week later... King is running 10.23, and Gatlin still runs 9.98. And I think there's something to say about consistency in the 100 that is what drives success. And the seeing, like, the younger guy, King, kind of having the big win and then, like, a big loss. Well, Gatlin's like, well, yeah. I'm just going to stay consistent. And as long as I'm here the entire time, when it matters most, I'll, I'll be in the top three. And so I thought Gatlin's mm-hmm. 9.98, very impressive. Sub-10 again. Um, at the age 39, is he 40 yet? He's not 40 yet. I think he's 39. No, he's 39. I know that one. He's older than me. He's older. Yeah, he's older, he's older than I, you. I, uh, I keep track of people relative to my age. Well, and who he beat too. It's not just the 998, but beats Andre de Grasse, medalist in 2019. Beats Kenny Benaric, who had a great race, 1003. It's a good run for him because he's more of a 200 guy. He's run fast hundreds as well. And then Lyles, you know, 10.08. If he beats one of those guys in a race, you could chalk it up to, ah, they just had an off race. But beating that trio is strong. And then you mentioned King as well, uh, dropping out to a 10.23. I don't – I mean, are you going to talk about that 200 as well in your in your yeah, no, racing? Well, I, want to say, I want to say why I'm not concerned about Lyles' uh, performance. At sure. this meet in 2019 – at the Tom Jones Memorial yeah. in 2019, he ran 10-14 and got second in a race. Yeah. So, like, and then that's the year he went on to run 19-5. <laughs> so, I yeah. think, uh, and, you know, so I think uh, he's going to be okay. He's really good at kind of starting slow in the shorter distance the 60s and the 100s. But his bread and brother's at 200, and he'll show up and still be a 19-5 type guy, I think, when all is said and done. Yeah, I anyway, think... I just want to say about Lyles. Well, Gatlin's last two weeks, I think, proves the point you've been trying to make. of just like, he's just going to be steady as she goes the entire season. And you'd be shocked if you saw a 9-8-1, but you'd also be shocked if you saw a 10-1. And if you just keep it right there in the middle, 
998. Maybe he'll probably have to drop a couple hundreds off that when it comes time to get to the Olympic trials final, but not much faster. You just keep your, keep your nerve in there. But you look at what the other guys in the event are doing and he's getting, he's racking up some quality wins here. I'm also not worried about Lyles for the reason you mentioned. Um, it seems his hundred takes a little bit longer to, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of hard to figure to judge that because it depends when he races, but 200, obviously less start dependent, right? hundred might take a little bit longer for him to get that extra bit of sharpness, but I'm not, I'm not betting against him in the, in the trials. It's going to be, man, if we're doing like, who's, who's still a contender here. I mean, you, you can't count out Baker based on what he did at the Texas relays either. Romel, there's, there's, you're five or six at least. I know I said there was eight guys who had broken other than Coleman and Norman who had broken 10 over the last couple of years. Maybe you don't think a couple of those are serious contenders, but that still leaves at least five or six. Yeah. What do you want me to say about the 200? Oh, I was just going to mention Bromel as part of the 100 meter discussion because Bromel ran. 2062 and finished fifth in the 200. I know he doesn't really like. Was it in the podcast with you when you asked him about 200s? Yeah, he he's just not. Throw out every 200 performance by Bromel ever since he like went pro. He's like, no, nah, this isn't me. He's he's a hundred meter runner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, but we haven't seen him in a hundred this year. Is my my point. So we don't know if we're going to compare him to Lyles to to Gatlin. It's just too soon. So right now, obviously, Gatlin is is doing well just by holding steady. If Bromel ran in the, that 200 and ran like a 19.98 or something, then we'd say, okay, look out, clear yeah. clear favorite. But right now we, just, we don't know yet. We haven't seen him in, in 2021 in the, in the 100. Yeah, and uh, kind of just to kind of piggyback, this isn't part of my eyebrows, eyebrow raising, but good performance, like you said, by Shikari Richardson, 22.11. Jasmine Camacho Quinn ran twelve thirty two world lead in the hurdles, and Grant Holloway ran thirteen oh seven. Another just consistent mark for him. Um, overall, like the 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 top the top dogs are showing up right now, and hopefully they can keep that momentum going into the summer and ultimately to Tokyo. But you kind of like where a lot of the top sprinters are at. Even though Lyles ran ten oh eight, like we said, it's going to be all right. Gallon consistency. Curly is running some fast, shorter distances. He should be ready for the 400. Um, and then in Richardson, 20 to 11. I mean, Richardson, maybe she yeah. goes on to be double Olympic gold, potentially. I, I don't know if we want to put that on her now, but everything's going pretty well for her. That's all I got to say. It's going yeah. pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, 22.11 was solid. Irby ran really well in that race over the 22.57, especially if she her focus is probably going to be on the quarter. Solid time. Okay, of the ones you mentioned, though, I agree. Holloway, par for the course. But Camacho Quinn, to me, would have qualified as eyebrow-raising. Former uh, Kentucky runner, NCAA champ, but 12.32, there's not a lot of women in that group who have run 12.32. I think that, that puts her name up there as somebody who can compete for for a gold medal. You know, beats her, her old PB and, I mean, just – just a great, great statement race for her. So that one was a little eyebrow raising to me. Well, because I mean, people have been hurdling for a couple of weeks now. So I think world leads on both the men's and the women's side in the high hurdle, a world lead is a real world lead. 
that event has has begun in 2021 and 1232 is going to be tough to beat um in in the pre-trials run up here but like this is the this these are the women who've run faster in 1232 in history harrison donkova zagrocheva enquist mcneil pearson so there's only six women i believe who have run faster than camacho quinn did on on saturday yeah i mean that i'm raising my eyebrows now you see this they're up i'm gonna eyebrows up eyebrows up eyebrows are up eyebrows are up yeah. Uh, what's my what's my top? What number am I on? How many have I done? I've done three. I've done three. So I got top you final three. two. My yeah, final two, two eyebrow raising moments of the past weekend. Mm-hmm. I would have to say another sprinter, Javon Martin, nine ninety four. That's the first like college kid to kind of really throw down outside of Terrence Laird in the two hundred. Really throw down a quick 100-meter time. And we talk about this year in and year out. There's that college kid who comes in, has a a phenomenal breakout season, and then it's just like rolling on all cylinders. And Javon Martin is one of those first dominoes in that college world to kind of really show, hey, I'm young gun, ready to go. Um, He's only a sophomore, transfer from Sam Houston State. Uh, Yep. He did run 10-17 when aided a few years ago, but 9.94 win legal. It's a world lead. It's no joke. I think we're going to see a bunch of other nine nines in the college field. I think we'll see Boland get there. We'll see Terrence Laird get there. We'll see the Houston kid get there and maybe a few other randoms, mm-hmm. 998s, 997s. But seeing 994 now in April, you got to hope that we're going to see a few more. And uh, the NCAA 100-meter – Final should be pretty good. He would have been my number one because that, everybody was talking about that professional heat at Tom Jones, and it was the college heat that had the faster time. Now, again, not picking him to be a, a, a Diamond League contender this year, an Olympic contender this year. That's a no. lot of pressure for a guy who's just a sophomore. And we've seen this this before, but 994 dropping down from his, his win legal PB was 1040. You're right. Windy 1017 at Texas Relays, but his win legal PB was 1040. That's a lot of it's uh, a lot of rungs to climb in in just one race. So interested to see what he does in the chat here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Khalil says bowling surprise loss in the 100 200. Do you believe he moves up to the 400, Gordon? I think yeah, I was kind of surprised by that loss. I don't think he moves up to the 400. I think he's still gonna be focusing on the 200 mainly. I think he's going to be focused on 200 long jump four by four, but maybe he's just not, maybe he's dealing with a little injuries. I don't know. Um, but we've already seen Terrence Laird come off of indoors with the fast 200. Even, yeah. And we've seen now just Javon Martin kid run a fast hundred bowling kind of hasn't done something that's kind of eyebrow raising um, since his indoor win. Maybe mm-hmm. he's kind of taking a slower approach. Uh, focusing more on that long jump. He ran a, he jumped over eight meters in a long jump, which is pretty good. So I think we kind of have to wait and see. I think the true testament would be bowling. Like, will he be who we think he can be at the SEC championships? And then we'll know bowling's potential summer future based off of that race. Because I think, let's be honest, people's times now kind of don't really mean much. There needs, especially in the college world, you need kind of a reason to win. 
Uh, right mm-hmm. now, the only reason is to be top 32, which is pretty easy to do. Um, so we'll see bowling in the SECs and see what he really throws down there. Great race by Lance Lang, freshman from Kentucky, to beat him in that 200. Yeah. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good freshmen right now in the NCAA men's sprint side of things, from Micah Williams to bowling to Lang, et cetera, et cetera. He also asks about before we move on to your number one eyebrow raising performance of the weekend. He also asks about Dixon. He said ran a disappointing 400 over the weekend, which I guess there goes my Dixon in the 400 theory. I keep. Everything yeah, keeps something... getting blown to bits every weekend with this. He got fifth. You're in 47-2. Yeah, there's something up with Dixon. I don't know if it's health or whatever. I don't know. But he is not the Devin Dixon of 2019 where he's running 43-second splits, running 144, 145s type performances. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe he'll get it back. Maybe this is going to be an off year for him and he'll be back to his usual self in 2021, but I mean in 2022, but right now he's really not in the conversation for the 800, for the 400, for any of that right Mm now. So, all right, let's, oh, we should mention someone in the chat brings up Laird ran 10.06 this weekend in the hundred. So so. 10.06 in 1981, pretty good start to the season. Oh, and he beat uh, Sean Maswanganai of Houston, another freshman there. Yeah. 1006 to 1018. Okay. Uh, are you ready for your number one eyebrow raising performance? Yeah. Okay. I don't even know what you're going to go with. You're out of, hold on. I know. Let me see if I can guess. You're not going to get it. Can people in the comments get it? They won't get it either. You're definitely there's not only, get it. Yeah. There's only one thing here and it's definitely not eyebrow raising that I have on my, my list. It. It's not on your yeah. list. Okay. Well, I have a secret list that you don't know about, but okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> it's definitely not going to be on your list. So, uh, let me just ask you a question: If you had a freshman on your team, if 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 any school had one freshman run a fast five k, you'd be like, "That's pretty good," right? You'd be like, "Wow, we oh, wait got like this star freshman." Oh, is this what you're going with? This isn't yeah, eyebrow dude. raising. It I predicted this last too. week and you laughed at me. You laughed at me last week when I said this. They're not going to run that. Are you talking about the Stanford kid running 1334? No, I'm not talking about the Stanford kid. I'm talking about the Stanford kids. Oh, how many? Dude, they, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven freshmen in the past two weeks, two weekends. Three, I guess, since April second till April seventeenth, run fourteen oh five or faster. Bodin Roseau has run fourteen oh five. Evan Burke thirteen fifty eight. Kai Robinson thirteen fifty one. Devin Hart thirteen forty five. Thomas Bowden thirteen forty five. Cole Sprout thirteen forty three. Charles Hicks thirteen thirty four. Not to mention two sophomores who have run 1339 in Bulger and 1349 in DJ Principe and a junior run 1336 in Alec Parsons. Also not to mention the NXN champ, Liam Anderson, who hasn't run yet because he might be hurt. It's insane. that Like if you took this roster and you, and you showed it to any, like the Colorado, the great Colorado teams in the two thousands or the great Stanford teams. And anyway, you'd be like, 
this isn't normal. It's not normal that your seventh best freshman is a fourteen oh five kid. That make it that makes mm-hmm. no sense. Uh, or that your seventh best runner overall, it's like a 1345, 1349 kid. It, I just think we are seeing and, – and the weird thing about it is Stanford isn't the only team that's doing this. Like Arkansas can put together a group of six-plus really fast 5K runners. Uh, NAU we know has the ability to, to do something like that. BYU we've seen – do that in multiple races where they have a bunch of guys running sub 14. We're seeing this like trend of mm-hmm. depth in a, within a single team that I, we've never really seen before. Cause typically you're, they're spread out across multiple teams. And I just think seeing what I said, seven freshmen, 1405 or faster, a total of 10 guys sub 1405. It's just crazy. It's, it's eyebrow raising. That's what raised my eyebrow. Man, you love you love the men's five thousand this year. You just any I should always guess that that's where you're going with any segment. If there's any suspense, it's some factoid I mean, about the men's five thousand. I said that the Stanford guys might go under thirteen thirty two, and you're like, no, I don't know about that. And then the kid went and well, ran thirteen thirty four. That that wasn't the his running thirteen thirty four wasn't the surprising thing. It's just like when you take a step back and you look like, holy crap. They're ninth. What, what? One, two, three. So what's it? What's the mark to get in the West? They're ninth best runners running thirteen fifty eight. It's it's insane. Oh, what's the mark to get in the West? Yeah. So the mark to get in the West right now is like thirteen fifty eight, but yeah. that's without Iowa State's guys, the Oregon guys, and NAU guys, and a couple other, and some are and half of the Arkansas guys. So I did some more reimagining, and I looked at potential newcomers that have yet to run the 5k and there's a chance the the cutoff for the 5k will be like 1343 to just to get into the prelim yeah which is insane new world which is insane so uh i mean i got one i got that's eyebrow, the eyebrow raises the depth in an individual team and it's not just yeah. stanford it's nau it's oregon it's BYU, Arkansas. Anyway. Well, we're going to see the next couple weeks, we're going to see some those teams, I think, really take big swings, both at the meet in Hayward this weekend coming up, which is going to be good. And then a lot of people, I think, are going to be heading to the West Coast Relays uh, in Live Fresno. And if, and if they aren't running there, I'm sure there's going to be another meet. It should. It seems to be ramping up. Both sprints and distance, field events, everything. It's just ramping up, escalating every single week from here until until June. Basically, is what I'm what I'm seeing when I look at the schedule. My eyebrow raising performance of the week was you not coming up with the Sydney Sub 53 23 13 Club uh, tweet first. I think it was Statman John, who's who's good. Who's good. I mean. There's a reason his handle is Statman John, which wouldn't have been the most obscure club for you. You've come up with things that are like way crazier than that. And I like this one because it has threes at the end of it. So I think 53, 23, 13, it's very easy to remember because of that. It's not something as obscure. Now, she did this because she ran 1292 in the high hurdles, which put her under 13 seconds. Obviously, the sub 53, that's the hard, really, really hard 
bar to meet. Once you do that, you know, you're already in pretty select company, sub 23, also nothing to sneeze at. And then she gets the the sub the sub 13 here. But I, I, yeah, I just was surprised you didn't send out to me on a text, like a, a grainy Excel spreadsheet of like list of women who have done this. And then it's just, and it's her. That's it. Well, that's because sub 13 isn't really a thing. That's like really good to be like, it's like breaking 13 in the hurdles is basically uh welcome to the big leagues moment for like a freshman in college right oh i ran 1299 like the best are running 12 threes and 12 fours and eventually 12 twos 12 ones whatever but like breaking 13 to me is kind of like not well it's not maybe it's, it's not uh it's not in line with breaking 53 in the 400 <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's an that's an all that's an all informing hurdles. That's an all time mark. I mean, of course, let's see how many people. Uh, there's only been in history 43 performances, not performers, but 50, 43 per, uh, performances of 53 uh, or under. And then you 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 put in the 23 and narrows it down even more. And then you get the 13. And then it's just I go off from there, standing tall. I was interested to see. I didn't realize I looked at the schedule, but you never know with the schedules. You don't know if they're going to take breaks. Like how quick the her high hurdle race was to her quarter, it was like boom, boom. It was it was there was not much downtime in between, which I'm sure they they knew. And she came back and just cruised a, a 51, 16. I'm guessing we're going to see her at that Mount Sac meet just because it'll be local for her. Is that in the, that's beginning of May? Do I have that? It's like correct? May eighth. Yeah. Yeah. Still waiting. Still waiting. Like same thing with uh, Dalila Muhammad. She's like still waiting. Still waiting. There's like a lot of anticipation to see what sort of form they're in. All we know now yeah, is I mean, okay. They're 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 not hurt, but we don't have any. We don't have any like real because you could tell like 150 into that race. You're like okay, she's she's cruising through. This is kind of a work. Like she looked completely under control. So we're still waiting for actual uh, a full 100 percent performance to see what's possible this year in 2021. Yeah, and the next few weeks are going to be, uh, I guess, pretty exciting weekends for track. I mean, this weekend, uh, we're going to have Drake Relays, Oregon Relays, Philadelphia Collegiate Invitational, which is live on Flow. The Oregon mm -hmm. Relay meet will be live on Flow in Australia. So if you're from Australia, you can watch the there Eugene meet. Um, but then the week after that, we're going to have West Coast Relays, which is going to be a very good college meet. It's going to be basically the substitution of what Peyton Jordan would have been, I think. Um, and world world relays is that weekend as well. So I'm not sure if is USA sending a team to world relays. I don't know, but I got to say, man, I'm a big world relays proponent. I'm a fan. Heck I might even be called the stand of world relays, but this year just does not, does not seem like <laughs> the year for world relays for me. I don't know what it is. Just can't get up for world relays this year. Sorry, Gordon. Well, just gonna tell you. There, I mean, you there know may not be is. a lot of world it's relays in, talk. It's in two weekends. It's in Poland, and the thing is, they, they changed it, it. There's no dis. There's no more distance. It's just a four by one, four by two, four by four, mixed right. four by four. So. No, and there, there's also like a mixed shuttle hurdle relays. Oh, yeah. and shuttle hurdle relays, yeah. Or not a mix. Maybe yeah, it's just a shuttle hurdle, not not mixed. But why do they take out all the distance stuff? Do they think people don't, don't care know. about distance? I think probably had trouble getting enough teams. I don't know. Again, I like it, but this year 
there's just so much other stuff happening and like a pandemic <laughs> one two everybody just seems more, way more concerned with getting their own marks which i don't blame them for doing that yeah. because of the past the past year and i think the result is yeah you're gonna not gonna see i remember in those early years it's not like all the big stars were there, but there were a lot of big yeah, big names going fun. to those to those meets and we both yeah, i know went. you went in the yeah. Well, in Bahamas, didn't Bahamas, that was, yeah, Ryan Bailey won, right? Yeah. That, that four by to one. The and then there was all that yeah. trash talk after. Like, that was cool. Uh, that was but cool. this year, it just with everything else going on, doesn't seem like it's it's going to have as much pop. But, okay, continue on the schedule. Sorry, I, I interrupted so, yeah, some World Relays. You love schedule. So, in two weekends, love. World Relays and West Coast Relays. The West Coast Relays are going to be better and they're live and flow. Uh, and then three weekends from now, <laughs> Will be the Mount Sac uh, Continental Tour and the uh, China Continental Tour, so which will be live on flow. Did that get canceled? Mount Sac will be live on. That won't. Get, I don't know. If it's canceled yet. The Mount Sac one will be live on flow in Australia. The China one will be live on flow in the U.S. For those wondering, uh, and then the week after that is uh, conferences. So then we have SECs, oh, wow. Pac-12, Big 12, Big East, which is live on flow. And that track meet, which is the Jesse Williams meet, sound running meet, where we might see uh, some last-minute fast distance races on the U.S. side. So good all around. Did you? We're getting into it. And then the Diamond League starts the following weekend. And then before we know it, it's the Olympic trials. And then it's Tokyo. And then it's cross-country season. And then we're getting ready for the Eugene Championships. It's all, to, all yeah. connected. <laughs> and then Budapest. Budapest 2023, Budapest. Paris 2024, TBD. We don't even know where the championships are going to be in 2025. And then we take a big deep breath in 2026. And then 2027, we don't know where the championships are. But then 2028, then LA Olympics. The Olympic Games in LA. We'll see you there. Did you yeah. book your tickets yet? Did you book your uh, Airbnb? I, I don't need to. I know people in LA. I'm not, I'm not retiring until then. Me and Kipchoge, we're going all the way through to 2028. How much do you think you could sell an Airbnb during the Olympics for? What do you think the market value would be? What's the market value for something like South by Southwest or ACL in Austin? I could see people selling it for like 500 to 1,000 bucks a night. I could see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy, easy. For sure. I was thinking that the if problem you're is, smart... Oh, what? What? Well, I was thinking about that with respect to Eugene because there's not a lot of housing in Eugene and everything is centrally located, well, relatively centrally located. Um, so if, if you had something that was in the university area that wasn't even that nice but was walkable to the track, you could get someone to pay a lot of money for it. For the I don't think the world championships are as popular as the Olympics, Kevin. Bold take there, Gordon. You know what? I'm going to have to agree with you on that because it's one sport and not a whole bunch. But I was just yeah. saying from the perspective of the city being tiny relative to Los Angeles or Paris and the supply, because you got supply and you got demand, right? Uh, the supply would be relatively low with everybody coming into town for, for, for the world All I'm saying is if you have like an 11 or 12-year-old right now, you need yes. you should start thinking about 
like having that kid apply to go to USC or UCLA or any of those LA colleges because then they'll have mm. literally their own dorm there to of places. They'll have a, a free place to stay during the Olympics, which would be mm -hmm. insane, right? So you have to get ahead mm. of it. If you I guarantee the admissions to all the California schools that overlap with the Olympics is going to be insane because everyone's going to be like, it's a way to get a free room and board. Uh, Counterpoint, Olympic you days. have to pay UCLA, USC tuition, which is quite pricey, which save your money on that. And you could probably fly to the Paris Olympics. That's what I would tell the parents <laughs> to do. Yeah. Counter counterpoint. You can get a scholarship just be really good at like rowing or something and pull yeah. off the whole operation uh varsity blues <laughs> have you seen that documentary i haven't i've I watched the art one did you watch the art one on netflix art is it about an art, art documentary robbery? yeah it's about a no. robbery i think it's called this is a robbery it's only four parts it's good i'm very partial now to documentaries that hire real editors because listen, guys, not every documentary needs to be nine parts. You can cut some stuff out. And that one's only four parts, and it's good. You like heists, right? You a heist well, guy? Well, I, like, I, I, I watched the trailer a bit, and I was like, I don't know. But it's good. Is it worth it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll like it. It's four hours total, or a little less, because each episode is like a little less than an hour. And it ended last night, and I was like, ooh, it's over. That's I'm, I'm wanting more. You guys did a good job. Not, oh man, I'm only halfway through. I better keep watching. Yeah, the Nexium one. It was good. It's like 30 parts. Oh my, I gave up on that. I gave up on it. Get an editor. Who's editing these? Get called Jay Hayes. What are we doing here, guys? It's just like, here's nine minutes straight of like a random uh, archival footage of just some stupid interview that doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Get editors, folks. Speaking of documentaries, um, if anyone in the comments has suggestions for Shuking. what we should be watching. <laughs> I need some more content. I watched okay. the movie right. Nobody, the with uh, mm -hmm. Bob Odenkirk. It's basically Good. a combination of Breaking Bad meets John Wick meets uh like what's that uh what what's I forget the other one oh meets a uh, Home Alone. It's Home Alone okay. meets John Wick. It's pretty cool. Anyway. Speaking of running, I did see, and, and on TV, I, I did see that HBO Real Sports is doing two running-themed episodes for their upcoming season. So, there you go. About what? Running in popular culture. One is about uh, Boston Marathon, the race director, you know, he runs it every year, and I think just how they did it with the pandemic. And then the other one's about that that ultra, the Barkley, Barkley Marathons race, which there's already a, ne a Netflix stock on about if you haven't seen that you should watch that because the guy who's the race director is in, incredibly entertaining it's hard to take your eyes off of him but i guess they're doing an episode on that that's not even like a race it's more like an orienteering expedition because the guy just makes up the course and you have to figure out where it goes uh, but th th both of those i think are supposed to come out this year uh someone recommended icarus i'm assuming you watched icarus though i actually haven't seen icarus yet oh I know what it's about, go. but I haven't watched it. You like you know, doping talks. Like, You'll oh, love okay. it. Oh, I hate, I hate doping talks. We, we didn't get, get an email from Clean somebody. We, we did get an email from somebody about the, the Coleman thing. We'll get to that uh, Wednesday, though, I think, if we, have a, if we have an opportunity. All right. We'll leave it there. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Thanks to Alon for producing. 
Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. We have a podcast YouTube channel, and we have the regular Flow Track YouTube channel. A lot of races that you can watch from the weekend. You watch Sydney, and the high yeah. hurdles, the 400, Kipchoge. It's all up there. Thanks to Alon for producing. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday at 9 a.m. sharp. No way we're late to this one.